Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Well, this morning we are going to continue in our sermon series through the Gospel of John, and we will be in John chapter 10. So I would ask if you would stand in honor of reading God's word. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd, And doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the father loves me. Because I lay my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, we are going to see three elements in this passage of scripture this morning. And the first is the sheep. Now we find in the Old Testament that the primary expression of who God is, uh, is shepherd. And therefore the primary expression of who his people are is sheep. Now, As I have said many times before, if you know anything about sheep, the fact that we, the people of God, are called sheep is humiliating at some level. It's humbling, maybe, is the better word. uh, Because sheep inherently have a 3D problem. And I know you've heard this before, but they are dumb, defenseless, and delicious. And so, therefore, sheep need a shepherd. And we are 
presented as those who are in desperate need of a shepherd. We're in desperate need of God and his care for us. We also see that the imagery of shepherd is the initial imagery that's used for the leaders in Israel. So Moses and David are shown, and really the origins of Israel are shepherds. And they come from a shepherd people, and the leaders of Israel are to be those who are shepherds. The problem comes about when Israel decides they want to be like the other nations, and they want a king. And God says, this will not go well for you. Why? Because inherently kings take. He says, they will take your sons, they'll send them to war, and they'll take your daughters, and they'll make you part of their harem. But the people don't listen. They want a king. Well, guess what happens ultimately? We see that these kings begin to look more and more like the kings of the world. And the way that they end up treating the people of God is not as a shepherd who is caring for the sheep, but instead becomes more like a wolf who is preying on the sheep. And this is what we've, we've looked at. Uh, if you've been part of this sermon series in the past, John, specifically chapters 5 through 10, is very much looking at Ezekiel and Ezekiel 34 through 36 as the background. And there's a lot of this language that's coming up. And in Ezekiel 34 verse 10, uh, we read these these promises of, of or, or this Ezekiel thirty four four. We read this accusation that God gives to those who are called to be the shepherds of the sheep. He says, "You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. And so, instead of being good shepherds who care for the sheep, when there are those who are wounded." that bind them up and bring about their healing. Instead, they are ruling them with violence and cruelty. In fact, the promise is that God will bring judgment. And verse 10, he says, the shepherds will no longer feed themselves for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. So think about this. The shepherds are to feed the sheep. Instead, what Ezekiel tells us is that they are feeding on the sheep. And so God is going to come and he is going to rescue his sheep from the mouths of the shepherd. Well, this is the background of what Jesus is doing. Jesus is coming to both bring judgment against these false shepherds who are in fact wolves and to rescue and to free his sheep from their mouths. Uh, One of the connections that we don't initially see when we read through this is the word sheep pen in our Bibles, is actually the word, the court of the sheep. And this is the only time that word is used in reference to animals. So of 147 other uses, this is the only one to animals. All the others are to the court of the temple or the court of the priest. So specifically Ezekiel 40 through 46, uh, we see that word is used 47 times in reference to the temple. And so when Jesus is describing this sheep pen, remember we're continuing from John chapter nine, where is he standing? By what? By the temple. And he is speaking to a group of people. Is this 
John chapter 10 passage that many of us, if we've been part of the church, we've probably heard this. Is this just a a random teaching that he's giving to a general audience? Who is he speaking to? The Pharisees, right? He's speaking this to the Pharisees who are called to be these shepherds right next to the sheep pen. Now in this day, a sheep pen or a court of the sheep would have been like a courtyard. It would have had walls around it, stone walls, and many different flocks would have come together in one sheep pen. Because although this kind of ruins the Christmas card, shepherds didn't just leave their sheep out in the fields. Why? They would be eaten. Exactly. The 3D problem, as I said earlier. And so they had these stone pins that all of these different flocks would come together. And then the shepherd, when it was time to take them out to pasture, would come and get them from the gate keeper. So Jesus is talking to these who are called to be shepherds next to the temple, which he's using the word of the temple courts to describe this sheep pen. And it is filled with sheep, sheep from different flocks. Again, this is happening at the feast of tabernacles or booths. And this is the time when people from all over Israel and really all over that area of the world would be gathering together to celebrate this festival. And so this is the imagery of the sheep in the temple that we are meant to see. Secondly, we're going to see the shepherds. And we are going to, as I said earlier, see bad shepherds. Verse one, truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. Now imagine this. If there is a sheep pen and there's a gate to get into that sheep pen with a gatekeeper, what would you assume about someone who is not coming to that gate, is not dealing with the gatekeeper, but is instead trying to sneak over the back wall? What would you assume about their intent for those sheep? Right? It's bad. They have a, there is an ill intent that is represented by the fact that they are sneaking in, that they are not coming through the gate. And this is what Jesus describes exactly as some of you said, as thieves and robbers. They are coming to steal. They are coming to hurt and injure the sheep. That is their intent. And, and this robber, again, this, this title, if you've been reading John 8 through 10, would have been an expression of those who are called to be shepherds, but are in fact wolves, or in fact uh, feeding on the sheep. Uh, and, and secondly, we're going to see, in contrast to this, the good shepherd. So we see a different example where the gatekeeper opens the gate for the true shepherd, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and then leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of the strangers. So what Jesus is saying is that he is the true shepherd. And he comes to the gatekeeper directly. And he enters legitimately. And he is going to lead out his sheep out of this pen. How? With his voice. By speaking words. And those who are his sheep are going to hear his voice. And they are going to follow him and be led by him out of this pen into the pasture. Now what is important is considering the context again. 
What are the kind of people who we have seen listening to the voice of Jesus, of of becoming his followers? Well, they are the very people who have been outcast. They are the very people who have been mistreated by the shepherds. In fact, we just finished watching a man who was born blind and Jesus healed him. And those who were supposed to be the shepherds, how did they respond? Were they excited and thankful? No, they were upset because it took place on a Sabbath and because of the fact that there is this jealousy, and we're going to see this growing, that there's this jealousy over Jesus and the fact that people, sheep, are going to be led by him as their shepherd. And so what do they do to this man who has been healed? They kick him out, right? So they have just kicked out a sheep who's been healed from the temple. They, they have put him outside of the camp, if you will. And this is the very context. So, so it is these kind of people. We saw the woman caught in adultery. We've seen the man who was born um, lame from birth. And, and all of these examples, the people who have been the prey at some level, who have been pushed out, these are the people who have ears to hear. These are the people who respond to Jesus, who follow his voice because they understand their desperate need for a shepherd. And they've seen the light that Jesus has come, that he has come to expose the true condition of these false shepherds. He says they will not follow a stranger, but instead will run from him. The way that there is an exposing of the true condition of these false shepherds is by the light of Jesus. So Jesus comes as the light. And what does the light do to the darkness? Well, it illuminates it. As I said before, what happens when I tell my middle son to clean his room and I go in afterwards and I lift up the bedspread and I shine a light under the bed? Right? There's all kind of stuff underneath there. And that's what the light does in the darkness. And Jesus is coming as the light. And his light is shining. The way he is expressing the heart of God. The way he is speaking the truth and and representing God's intent for the shepherd. This contrast is shining a light that is revealing the true condition of these false shepherds as those who are thieves and robbers and strangers. Now, Jesus gave them, verse 6, this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Imagine that. Why didn't they understand this figure of speech that Jesus is using? Who is it pointed at? Them. It's an amazing thing how people have an ability to not hear something that's directly intended to them. Have you ever experienced that? Right? There's a blindedness that comes uh, to something that's actually directed. And so Jesus picks this up. Jesus says again. So he's going to give it another shot. Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come so that they may have a life and have it in abundance. So there's this contrast from those who come to steal, who come to destroy, from those who, who come ultimately as strangers and those, and, and, and Jesus who comes and his invitation is to come into the pasture of God. 
Now, this reminds us of Psalm 23, the psalm about the Lord as the shepherd. And what is it that he leads his people to? Green pastures and still water. It is the promise that God as the shepherd will be the provider of protection, provision, and peace. This is what God intends for his people as those who trust in him. They receive protection, provision, and peace. And this is what Jesus is coming to bring in, that he is the gate, that he is making a way for them to come into this protection, provision, and peace with God. That he is coming to to lead them into these green pastures. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. So this this relationship between the sheep and the shepherd, Jesus says is like his relationship with who? The Father. Well, what is the relationship between the Father and the Son? Right? It's perfect. It's intimate. There's nothing that's separating them. We see there's this perfect, constant love between the Father and the Son, and the Son and the Father. There's nothing between them. And this is the kind of relationship that Jesus has come to offer with the sheep, that they would know him completely, that he would know them completely, that there would be this intimacy that ultimately would be tied with eternal life. And this is what we see in in a few chapters later. What does it mean to have eternal life? Is this something that simply happens when we die and go on to fly away? Well, John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. So eternal life is, is this knowledge of God, right? This relationship that's perfect, that's constant, that there's nothing that's separating us. And this knowing of God, right, through Jesus is, is ultimately the nature of what, what Jesus is inviting us into. That he is the gate that allows us to enter into this eternal life of knowing God. But is this invitation or is this gate simply re, uh, re- restricted to those who are Jewish people? Is that simply where the offer lies? Well, no, verse 16, I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. Scripture says that salvation begins with the Jew, to the Jew first, but then ultimately, where does it go? All nations. And so this, God's purposes and God's plans that are being demonstrated through Jesus are to gather a flock of sheep from all nations. That the one identification that ties all of these sheep together is not ethnicity or language or religious background in any of these ways, but is that they listen to the voice of the shepherd. That they hear what Jesus says and they follow him. And this is what we see ultimately in the third point, which is surrender. He says, this is why the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. 
I've received this command from my father. You see, the relationship that Jesus has with his father is such that when his father gives him a command, what does he do? He obeys. We see this demonstrated on the night before he is crucified in the garden of Gethsemane. He is wrestling with all that God has ultimately called him to of laying his life down for the sheep. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. This is the surrender to the will of God, the surrender to the purposes of the father, which is ultimately that he laid down his life for the sheep. You see, the father has given him all authority to carry out this plan. And how is it that this authority is to be used? Is it to be used in the way that we see this worldly authority that's being utilized by these rulers and these leaders to take? No, it's the exact opposite. It's authority that is used to give, to lay down his life. And yet this authority does not stop by laying down his life at the cross. And this is, this is a statement that no mere human teacher can make. Because he says, I have the authority to what? To take it back up again. This is authority that comes only from God. That as he lays down his life for the sheep, that ultimately that will not be the end. That there will be this resurrection. And this is where we see this language of the wolf and the nature of what is, what is really happening. Because there is a, there are thieves and there are robbers and there are strangers and there are wolves that we see here. But ultimately there is a power that's above and behind all of that. And scripture tells about this, that the devil is, is this, this, this praying wolf and lion that he's seeking to devour, that that's his intent, that he does come from the beginning to steal, kill, and destroy. The way the scripture says that the devil exercises his power is by holding death over humanity, that he has this power of death, and that there is this fear of death that cripples and that holds humanity under his power, this anxiety, this fear that that is represented. And ultimately what Jesus is going to do is to overcome this power, to conquer him by rising from the dead. So that this, this fear that has been present in the heart of the sheep is taken away. And we have this security of knowing that nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And this brings about security. This brings about this, this sense of peace and hopefulness even in the face of death. We have some pictures. These are some of the earliest pictures from the second and third century that we have from followers of Jesus. And the way, the imagery, the symbol that they used for Jesus predominantly was this. It's the shepherd. The way that they would paint him in these, these gathering places was as a shepherd with a sheep on his shoulder and his flock around him. Now, why was it that, I mean, you think about the power of images, the power of a symbol. If the primary symbol, the primary image that is used for those who are followers of Jesus is the shepherd, what does that tell us about the nature of their relationship with him? That they saw him as this one 
who would provide them, again, Psalm 23, with this protection, with this provision, and with this peace. And there was this calling, ultimately, that in face of, these were painted in places where people were being persecuted and killed as those who would follow Jesus. And yet, even in the face of death, they would find this peace. They would find this hopefulness in knowing that their great shepherd had already led the way through the grave and out the other side, and he would lead his sheep along with him. That even though it looked like the wolves and the thieves and the robbers were winning, when they nailed Jesus to the cross, when they did their absolute worst to him, Ultimately, they could not stop the plans and the purposes of God from being accomplished when Jesus would be raised from the dead. All things will work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. There is this security. Do we see this that comes from the sheep? And what is it that is the predominant evangelistic expression that we find in the early church? It is a unique hopefulness in the face of terrible, difficult circumstances. That they were the people who stood out because they maintained a hopefulness and a security and a confidence in ultimately their shepherd. And the question is, do we have that today? Is that we are, what we are known for? And that out of this security that we have, that we are able to as Jesus did, give ourselves in love. John 13, 34, Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then a very similar statement in John 1 John three sixteen. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The only way that we will be able to do this is if we have absolute security that our shepherd will provide for our needs. Otherwise, we will hear the voice of the enemy that will call us to provide for ourselves, to protect ourselves, to trust in the establishments of this world for security. And yet, there is no security there. And so we will live with this insecurity and this fear that will cripple us. And so the way that we are able to express this kind of love is if we see as those pictures ourselves as that sheep that's around the shoulders of our great shepherd, that he is providing all that we need. And as Psalm 23 says, that we lack nothing, right? We have everything that we need in him and in this relationship with God that he provides us. And so first I would ask you is, is that true for you? Have you trusted in Jesus as your shepherd? Have you trusted in his life, lived sinlessly for you? His death on the cross to pay for all of your sins and to free you from the power of Satan's sin and death and his resurrection to give you the security, this eternal life with God. If not, I would invite you to do that today, to trust in Jesus. If you have, I want to invite us to experience What he has given us in not simply words, but a meal. And that's appropriate because what does a shepherd do for their sheep? 
They feed them. And our shepherd, through communion, feeds us. He provides all that we need, ultimately by giving us not simply bread and not simply juice, but by giving of himself fully for us. And so as we prepare for this, to be fed by our shepherd even in this way, the question I want to ask us is what are ways that the wolf, the enemy, may be depriving us of the life and life abundant that our shepherd desires for us? He says, Jesus came to give us life and life abundant, or life to the full. This is what Jesus came to provide for us. But there are lies of the enemy that will creep into our mind, that will keep us from that, that will cause us to live in fear and anxiety or to be filled with guilt and shame. And so I want us to search our our, our hearts, to ask us, where is that present? Where are these things present within us, in our bodies, in our minds, that are keeping us from that? And just there's something you know, rises up within us that we're focusing on, that we're worrying on, or, or something that we're completely depending on. And so we search our hearts in that way. We ask ourselves the question, where am I looking for peace, provision, and protection other than in the hands of the good shepherd? Where am I looking for my protection, my peace, or my provision other than the hands of the good shepherd? And those are places where we feel this fearfulness. And so I just, we, we do an inventory. We, we evaluate our own hearts and our own lives and our bodies and where we are. And so I want to invite us to do that. If, if you, as we prepare for this, if you do not have the elements, but you would like to take the supper, if you would just slip your hand up and our deacons will come around and make sure you get those. But as we do this, let's just prepare our hearts to take the supper. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.